Hello, brewery fanatics, and welcome back for another episode of Brewery Travels. I'm your host, Joel Geyer, otherwise known as Brewery Travels on social media. And today, we are going to take a look at what I feel is a pretty unique beer scene, and that is Salt Lake City, Utah. And as always, I have two awesome guests with me today, uh, Tim and Rob. And we will start by both of them giving kind of a brief intro about what got you into beer and how you're part of the beer community. Tim, why don't you lead us off? Great. Yeah, thanks, Joel, for having me. Uh, I'm Tim Heron, and I'm born and raised in Utah. I've lived elsewhere for a couple stints here and there, but primarily Utah. And I worked as a newspaper reporter and editor for about 10 years, and then social media director for another 10 years. And in 2017, I decided I wanted to have a little bit more flexibility so I left my full-time job and started my own consultancy, uh, writing and marketing company. And that's really when I kind of got serious about the Utah craft beer scene. Obviously, I'd, I'd been a, a big fan of it up until then. I'd been home brewing as well for about five years. But 2017, I really started researching and exploring kind of what was happening because it was booming. And... Uh, 2018, May, uh, during American Craft Beer Week, I launched utahbeernews.com. And uh, the site now has about 250 articles, 70 podcast episodes. And it's just been rewarding to talk to folks in the beer industry to get a better idea of where they're coming from and uh, what their goals are. That's great. And Rob, if, if people are watching the video clip on social media, they can obviously see who you are affiliated with. Uh, but why don't you go ahead and let everybody know? Sure, absolutely. So my name is Rob Phillips. I'm uh, one of the owners and co-founders of Roja Brewing Project. I always say I'm the R.O. in Roja. Um, the other half of the name goes to our uh, brewmaster and another founder named Chris Haas. Uh, and then we actually have a third partner uh, also who didn't get to be a part of the Roja or the Haas. We affectionately refer to him as the project. Um <laughs> So I, I've, I've been in uh, living in Salt Lake City or in Utah for uh, a lot longer than I ever anticipated, about 16, 17 years now. Um, and I, I started out just as a as a normal home brewer and then became sort of a fanatical home brewer and built out equipment. And I had some time on my hands. And so I volunteered at a at a local brewery. Uh, named Desert Edge, and that's where Chris Haas was the brewmaster there for about 17 years. Um, he he allowed me to come in and volunteer with him, and I was just jazzed about making craft beer and the community that that uh, was involved with craft beer. And so after volunteering with him for a while, he and I uh, decided to smash our names together and and uh, see what we could do making beer together. Um, and so here we are, we've been around, Roja has been around for about five years, uh, four and a half, five years. Uh, we we are a, sort of a distribution focused brewery. So we have distribution all over the state of Utah and um, parts of Wyoming. Uh, we're, we've recently expanded our tap room as I think you saw Joel when you came through town. And uh, so the our background too, if people are watching the video clip. Oh, that's right. Yep, it's on there. Um, and so we, we are taking a little bit of a pivot in this next uh, year. We're going to um, start to turn out some more exciting beers and different beers that can be showcased in that uh, taproom type setting. And we're pretty excited about that. Uh, we've grown up a lot since we first launched, and uh, it's been a lot of a lot of fun to grow as a part of the community. So that's great. Well, 
So we can go ahead and dive in here. And for people that may not be fully familiar with Salt Lake City and the Utah beer scene in general, um, we have to stop with the past and kind of how current laws have affected craft breweries. So, Tim, where did things kind of start off with in terms of beer laws and how have things progressed over time to get to the point that they are now? Sure. Yeah, that is a big question <laughs> when people think of Salt Lake and uh, beer and alcohol. And I'm not an expert on, on Utah liquor laws by any stretch, but it does seem to me that when Salt Lake got the Olympics in 2002, the state kind of took a closer look at how certain laws would impact visitors' experiences in Utah. And so it's been kind of a, a two-decade process. And that's, you know, not to say that there's still not a lot of room for progression and improvement, but uh, uh, we've made some progress. And it, it kind of amazes me the hoops brewers still have to jump through <laughs> in order to get a brewery off the ground and then to get their product to consumers. Um, the the common thing that people might know about Utah is the so-called 3.2 law, which is ridiculous because nobody measures alcohol by weight. Um, so it's it's 4% ABV. That was really the limit uh, for draft products um, up until 2019 when that was extended to 5% for um, draft products and packaged products in grocery and convenience stores. Um, I don't know, one misconception, and Rob can probably jump in on this too, I think it's becoming less so, is that Utah brewers were limited to that ABV, uh, but that wasn't the case. That was just for, like I said, draft offerings and then uh, to be available in grocery stores, but brewers could always brew uh, however uh, potent they wanted, uh, alcohol volume, uh, alcohol, by, alcohol by volume. So um, I don't think that uh, we necessarily need to harp on the the limitations for Utah brewers because really it's, it's brewers are, are doing whatever they can and uh, they have freedom to, uh, you know, get as creative as they want. It would just be nice that if there were, if we were able to get some, some of those higher alcohol beers available on draft, but. Yeah. I remember I, my first experience with Utah beer was actually driving through and stopping in Ogden on part of a road trip in 2018. So that was pre, that was still when it was the 4%. Mm -hmm. And then when I stopped through Salt Lake city uh, this past spring, I realized right away, oh, hey, you know, you can get the 5% stuff. But I do remember that was a conversation I had in 2018 with uh, someone that was working at one of the breweries uh, that I stopped at was that, hey, well, we actually do have all this beer that you can buy to go that is not limited to the ABV. But Rob, from your point of view, how, how have the, the laws kind of changed and affected your brewery? And do you feel like, what, like, are there more steps coming or like just in general, this past history of all the crazy laws? Yeah, I mean, the, the laws are crazy, but it it's only uh, crazy because we emphasize it so much. I mean, something like 80% of the beer made in the world is 4% or less, you know. Um, Americans, I think, just feel like they, they've been um, jaded and not allowed to have high, high alcohol content beer, which is uh, silly. It's always been out there. Um, so, I mean, I think it, as far as draft goes, it's always been a little bit limiting. And, and uh, at Roja, we've always been big believers in brewing beer to style. And so um, we've been pretty careful and conscientious about how we present a beer that's going to be brewed at 4% or now 5%. 
Um, and so we're not launching some, some double IP session, double IPA or something that doesn't make any sense. You know, um, we, we, we put beers that, um, that, sh that should fit in that 5% category. So it's limiting from that standpoint, but, but like Tim said, we're allowed to produce any beer we want at any strength we want, which is not true of every state. Um, as long as we package it and sell it as a, in, in that package format. Um, and that's really, um, because the, the state wants control over that taxing of the higher alcohol content beers. Um, so we, we've been pretty flexible in our business. We, we have a tap room that serves 5% draft beer. We sell all that beer package as well. And then we, we have a, it's called a package five store in Utah where it's actually, we're a licensee of the state and we're allowed to sell our high point beer as long as it's brewed on site. Um, and we can sell that beer to go. Um, so it, it, I, I get that it's limiting, uh, what we put out in draft products, but, um, but really, uh, as Tim said, you know, we, we can brew whatever beer style we want. It just may not end up on draft. So, well, and, and kind of to the other side of that coin though, is that when I was talking with different people, including one of them, I think was actually the bartender at Roja Brewing, Rob, um, uh -oh. was about how, well, no, it's a good thing. It's just, it, they, they, they were talking about how these what kind of the restrictive laws in terms of what you could put on draft actually kind of led to a lot of brewers being, having to be more creative, like, you know, like getting different styles and different flavor profiles in beers at 4% that you otherwise may have generally seen at higher percents. Um, so is that something, do you feel that that was true at the time? And if so, is that creativity still there as the ABV slowly kind of creeps up on, on tap, Rob? Um, I, I, I think that creativity is there for sure. I mean, um, you know, we just put out a, a British mild and that's sort of a, a not, not a, your most typical beer style, I would say. And, and I see a lot of breweries doing this. They'll put out a Hellas or a, a Kolsch, some of these older European style beers that are brewed at this lower alcohol content, but we can put them on draft. And it's, it's really made some of those styles a little bit more popular in Utah. I think, I mean, out of that state, means I need to come visit again. Yeah. Right. <laughs> out of state. I think you'll, you'll, you may see a British mild or a, or a Hellas lager or, a, you know, something like that. But, but um, you'll also, you know, everybody's going to pour six different IPAs on draft also. And, and um, we, we're just not going to pull that card in Utah because it doesn't make sense to make that many IPAs at 5%. You just don't have the, the bandwidth within uh, one beer style to make that many different, different beers. Um, certainly in the pale ale category, you know, you'll see Fisher will have three or four or five different pale ales on and they're all drinking really nicely. And, and I think that that flexibility is there in those beer styles. But uh, I have, I do think it's made brewers um, spread their wings a little bit and, and see some of those different beer styles and, and um, turn to them because they can be poured on draft. Yeah, no, I think that's great. And for, for me, I always like and have an appreciation for some of those more traditional lighter styles uh, and having, I enjoy going to a place that isn't, you know, 75% IPAs on tap list. So I, I actually really enjoyed my time in Utah because of that partially. Yeah. Uh, Tim, what are your thoughts as, you know, someone that has really watched the craft beer scene evolve? Have you seen kind of changes in that creativity like through the years? Yeah, you know, I'll agree that uh, I think initially um, 
brewers who were faced with these limitations uh, as far as alcohol percentage on draft were forced to get a little bit more creative, uh, more probably more technically um, sound in their brewing, uh, just because, you know, without alcohol to hide the flaws, uh, it was, you know, you had to be um, really, really on point with what you were brewing. Uh, and then as Rob was saying, you know, a lot of these um, classic styles that fall, you know, within the four to five percent range, I think has really helped brewers now because they are able to get a four and a half percent, you know, Pilsner or um, other German lager um, packaged and available to a wider audience, maybe on draft or in grocery stores around the state. And I think that's been beneficial. But uh, overall, I, I think the creativity is still there. I don't think anything really has has changed in that regard. But, uh, you know, Utah's just got a lot of great brewers and they have had for, you know, going on three decades now. Uh, it's just great to see. Yeah, no, that isn't, you know, I think one thing I want to talk about is that up to this point, the uniqueness of Utah's beer scene has kind of been the theme. And we talked about this earlier that there's almost too much, I think, from a national standpoint, sometimes focus put on oh, all the beer laws, how unique it is and everything. Do you feel that kind of that uniqueness hindered the national viewpoint of the state's craft, craft scene? Or in a way, did it actually kind of draw more attention to the beer there that it otherwise may not have received him? Yeah, you know, for better or for worse, I don't know if Utah will, or Salt Lake will ever really be considered a, a drinking destination, per se. But uh, the state, and Salt Lake especially, continues to hold its own, in my mind, as a, a craft beer destination. Uh, we've just seen tremendous growth in the last five years or so. Kind of kicked off a little bit with Rob and Roja. That 2016-2017 uh, um, kind of really was where the the big boom started. I think maybe half the breweries in the state have have opened within the last uh, five or six years, and um, I think we're approaching 40 or so now uh, throughout the state. So um, it's just the the last several years have been so fun it's been so fun to see and uh, a lot of different uh, niches being served for different style you know breweries open to to cater to different audiences um it's slowed down a little bit in the last couple of years obviously just because of of everything that's been going on in the world but you know it's been really neat to see that uh no as far as i know no breweries in utah have had to permanently shut their their doors um, and I don't, I don't know that, uh, you know, the, the fact that Utah is considered maybe has some unique laws, uh, for outsiders. I don't, I don't know if that's really made a, a big impact on, on our growth and, and success that, that the beer industry has had, uh, in, the, in recent years. Yeah. Well, and, and just before Rob answers, I will say, I'll say it again at the end, People that if you are into craft beer, I do recommend going to Salt Lake City if you enjoy craft beer. Because I was only yeah. there for the one night, only made the four brews, but it was good beer all the way around. Awesome environment. And the one big pro is that when the beers are lower in ABV, you can drink and try more of them without <laughs> having to worry about it. Uh, but Rob, what about what are your thoughts in, in terms of this, like how the national perception may have been affected by by kind of, you know, the way Utah beer has been viewed? No, I, I still think there's obviously some confusion about um, how the laws work in Utah. And, and we further confuse things with this 4% uh, 
alcohol by weight and 5% by volume and blah, blah, blah. Um, so we, uh, you know, I spend a fair amount of time in our own tap room and I, I get to hear our, our bar, beer tenders field those questions about how, how the laws work and why is there a menu of beer that you can't get and you can only get them to go and so on and so forth. Um, and so I do think it's, it's hindered us a little bit from that standpoint, but more and more I'm hearing people come into the tap room that, that understand that Salt Lake City has sort of become a craft beer destination. It's still small. It's relatively inexpensive to get to. We've got a great in and out airport. Um, the, the accommodations in downtown or thereabouts are great. The restaurant scene is really good. Um, and so it's becoming a craft beer destination. I hear a lot of people coming out of Texas or San Francisco or um, even North Carolina that that are coming to Salt Lake City because they know that there's a tight knit craft beer community of people making great, great beer. And it's easy to get to them and session on a bunch of beers for a day and uh, have a great time. So um, I think more and more it's the words getting out that Salt Lake's an all right spot to be for craft beer. Yeah, well, and so speaking on that in terms of the ability to make it a craft beer destination, people coming and visiting and getting around, one thing that I noticed in, because I've obviously been, I've been to most of the major cities around us, to, you know, to breweries, and I felt like when looking at a brewery map of Salt Lake City, that a much higher percentage of Salt Lake City's breweries are located kind of closer to downtown, like within five to 10 minutes of downtown, you can get to almost all like a really, really good chunk of the breweries. Is there a reason for this, Rob, do you feel? Is there a zoning thing or is it just that's how the communities kind of popped up? I mean, I, I would guess it's twofold. I, I can speak on only on our own behalf, but I could guess on a bunch of other breweries that, you know, to, to have a craft brewery, you need sort of this weird niche space that is, gritty enough to have a big warehouse and inexpensive enough to put a bunch of equipment and use a bunch of water and trench drains and chemicals and all the junk that goes with it. But you also need a, a, a storefront that looks um, enough or welcoming enough for people to come up and try beer. And so um, Salt Lake City and its downtown area is sort of peppered with some of these old manufacturing areas or areas in redevelopment and that's kind of where we are um, but you need sort of this gritty space that that uh, it happens to be close down close to downtown I think that the second half of that is um, Utah who is who's um, predominantly one religion that doesn't consume alcohol um, you know really is expansive in Salt Lake City or greater Salt Lake City if you will and um, downtown Salt Lake is really more populated with um, newer newer people, younger people that may not be a part of that predominant religion. And, and so therefore the population of drinking or consumers are in that area. And so that's, that's kind of where you want to exist um, just to attract that type of person. So that's an excellent answer. I hadn't even thought of it like that. That, that, that was really great. And Tim, what about from your perspective, both in terms of that and just for someone traveling, like what it means to have, Salt Lake City's breweries kind of all within a fairly tight knit circle if you're wanting to visit a lot of them. Right. Yeah. Well, Rob hit on a lot of good points there. A couple that I hadn't thought of either. So that was that was good to hear. Uh, I'm not sure if there are any you know zoning or legal reasons for uh, where breweries are are popping. I, I up. could have mentioned that there are some zoning restrictions in are Salt there? Lake City. Um, 
And there's a bunch of redevelopment zones that are allowing these small breweries. That's the zone we're in. Ah. Um, and so th there are some zoning restrictions too. And before we continue uh, this great conversation with Tim and Rob, let's take a quick word from a sponsor. NFL fans, hungry for a big win this week? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. And if they do, you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state or province yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And we are back, and we've discussed how Utah's beer scene has been able to evolve to its current point. But what do you feel is the next big step? You know, in other words, what does the future of Salt Lake craft beer look like, Rob? Oh, boy. I was hoping you'd go to Tim first. <laughs> Tim can lead off if you'd prefer. No, I'll give you a fake answer, and then I'll add to Tim if if uh, if he comes up with something better. <laughs> um, I don't know. The next big thing for Salt Lake is and craft beer. We're seeing so much growth right now. Um, and Tim already mentioned this. We're very expansive. And so I, I don't know if the next big thing is new new breweries coming in and taking up those absorbing some of those spaces. I think as far as law changes go, I, I think the next big step, the next big push is to, to change the draft law so that um, we can stop wasting so much, so much packaging or at least changing, um, changing the bar and tavern type laws so that a tavern could serve higher percentage of beer on draft and just, just stop the waste of packaging that beer um, just to open it and serve it at your own bar. Um, so I, I think that's the next big wave. Yes. We've been creative in, in the beers that we've been um, making on draft, but I think the next big, big step is to really open it up uh, to all beer styles. Let us equally compete against every other state, the, the inbound craft breweries that are making wonderful beer uh, regionally um, let us compete equally with all those and, and put whatever beer on draft. Uh, maybe not at whatever strength, because I know that would frighten a lot of people, but let's let's take it up a notch. Yeah, and uh, Tim, what are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, packaging is a, a big thing for me too. I would love to see that, you know, I mean, just so much aluminum and glass waste that uh, that is required just because of some sort of arbitrary number that people have in their mind that a, a you know a beer can't be over a certain percentage or else it has to be 
you know, put in a package and then shipped to one place and then shipped to another place and then delivered to you. And then, uh, well, and now with the COVID, table, there's been all right. the reports with the, the, the shortage on aluminum for canning and everything. Too, right. So who knows how that could affect it? Right. Yeah. And, but in terms of just the, the next big step, you know, I, when I started the site in 2018, I really, yeah, I, I called it the year of the new brewery just because there were a half dozen or so that opened in that year alone. But then another oh. half dozen opened in 2019. Uh, so that was another year of craft beer in Utah, 20 and 21. Uh, I hope we're outliers a little bit. We we had some growth, but uh, uh, not not a lot as compared to previous years. I don't think Salt Lake's at a saturation point by any stretch uh, when it comes to breweries. Um, I believe the market will continue to support as many breweries as possible that continue to make good beer. And that's kind of where we're at right now is the breweries in business right now are consistently making uh, good beer, whether it be in their tap room on draft or where they're packaging it to sell at uh, you know bars and restaurants or in our, our state liquor stores, wherever that may be. They're really making a lot of good beer. And I think the, the next big thing is just going to be continuing that momentum. And uh, like Rob said, maybe uh, tweaking a, a few things here or there. Um, I would have loved to have seen maybe some of the, the COVID uh, measures that other states implemented um, that seemed to really help. I would have liked to have seen Utah jump on that a little bit more, just as far as helping breweries out a little bit. I mean, the the state did do a little bit, um, which was nice to see. But uh, some of the longer term things like, you know, beer delivery or, um, you know, I just easing some other regulations, I think would have been beneficial in the long run, especially for a, a, a city and a state that really is kind of a tourist destination. You know, if you're going to come skiing, chances are you might be you know, coming to Utah. Uh, you know, Southern Utah is, is fantastic for outdoors activities, hiking, biking, all of that. So there really is a lot of tourism. And I just, I think this uh, for a silver lining for COVID, I think would have been nice to been able to implement some um, measures that could have paid off long term down the road. So yeah, in some of my previous episodes, we've talked about how COVID obviously overall was not good for breweries. But in some states, it did expedite laws that yeah. did help progress uh, craft beer in, in the long run with, you know, beer to go that those kind of, of measures. Uh, so Tim, are there any specific beers or beer styles, if you want to be more broad, that you feel best represent Salt Lake City? Ooh, that is a. I was dreading question. this question too. I yeah, was <laughs> you can out. give more than one answer. I'm not. I'm not going to cut you off. Yeah, I don't know if Salt Lake is known for a beer style necessarily. Um, probably there's probably an obvious one that Rob will mention, and then I'll think, oh yeah, that's that one. <laughs> but I've I've sent out a survey as part of. Uh, Utah beer news for the last three years and uh, just kind of getting a, a feel for what people are drinking. And I've asked about their favorite beer style and uh, it's no surprise really IPA gets about 20% of the vote and then hazy broken out gets another 18%. So we're about 40% on the IPA train as, as their favorite style mm -hmm. in a, a mm -hmm. survey of, of readers. Um, but also, you know, Stout and Pilsner, the third and fourth on that. So it kind of runs the, 
the gamut as to what beer drinkers enjoy drinking. Uh, I just, I don't know if there's, there's a, a style that defines Salt Lake City. What do you think, Rob? Or even just but, an individual beer that you think, you know, whatever the case may be. Yeah, what are you drinking right now, Tim? You know, I'm drinking Bewilders De Deseret IPA. So, I mean, this is a Utah, <laughs> Utah uh, beer that's, um, I think it's got Utah honey. I think that's the, the, oh, nice. the differentiator in it that uh, kind of makes it. And Deseret, for those who might not know, is Utah, like an nickname well, for utah rob you can if you want to you can shout you can say that aroha beer you know best represents or whatever the case may no, be I, I don't know what are your thoughts the, i don't know if that's the case um i i think it, if i could um not necessarily give you a, a single beer but i i would say utah uh, utah is the founder of session beer mm -hmm. any any session beer and now we have every other brewery in every other state producing what they're calling a session <laughs> beer and sending it to our grocery store to compete with, you know, the experts in the session world. We've been making <laughs> session beer since prohibition. So, yeah. Um, but some of the session beers are a little screwy. Like I said, you know, nobody should be making a session double IPA. That just doesn't make sense. <laughs> um, but I think, I think, you know, if Utah could be uh, the founder of any type of style, it'd be the session beer. Um, and we watched we watched the Hopheads kind of come around. That they first went to IPAs, and then they said, "Hey, double IPAs have even more hops in them. Triple IPAs, quadruple, octuple IPAs, those have a ton of hops." They said, "But now I can only drink a half of one of those, so I'm going to try this session IPA where I can crush, you know, five six beers in a day, and uh, enjoy those hops, enjoy that aroma." But uh, still, still live another day. So <laughs> I love uh, that answer, though, because I, th I think that's what I would yeah. think. You know, I think that I think that's really good. Uh, so now, though, the, the other question that people typically, you know, don't necessarily enjoy, but I know this is difficult. But <laughs> Rob, we'll start with you. What are three personal favorite breweries in Salt Lake City? And we've had other people on before that work for other breweries. We can just assume that Roja is your undecided number one. So you can list three <laughs> others if you want to. That, that's fair. I mean, I do like the beer we turn out. Obviously, I, I have a hand in that. So, um, but I, I read this question in your list and I, I thought this can be kind of a tough one to answer because there's, as we've alluded to, and and you said, there's a lot of breweries churning out really good beer right now. If you give and, more than three, like I said, I'm not going to cut you off. It's okay. <laughs> I, I won't give more than three. Okay. I'll try not to. Um, but I, I try and look at, at the breweries based on the beer they're producing, but also a, a, as they exist as part of the community. Mm, and that mm -hmm. probably has a bigger impact to me as a brewer um or a brewery owner that, that you know and so i have a lot of love for roosters up in ogden i think they're mm -hmm. doing a lot of cool stuff they're trying mm -hmm. a lot of new beers they're trying a lot of new styles they're they're trying to build this taproom scene in ogden i think they have a you know they've been fighting this uphill battle for 30 years they're pretty good at it up there um but i i think they turn out a good a good product they ex experiment with a lot of things and by gal they're really helpful to me usually um we help each other we don't see each other as competitors all the time um even though we are competitors in every aspect we 
you know, Brandon up at Roosters will call me and say, Hey Rob, this account in Ogden's looking for some great beer. Can I grab some samples from you and I'll take them up there for you. I'm like, sure. That'd be great. <laughs> um, and I'll do the same for him in Salt Lake. So, uh, so Roosters is on my list. I, I also, uh, it's funny you're drinking a bewildered beer. Um, I just have happened to find myself down in that area the la- twice in the last couple of weeks. And so I've tried it, tried their beers a couple of times in the last couple of weeks. And I think they're turning out pretty damn good beer. Um, I know their Kolsch is like a rocket ship for them. They, they, um, everybody seems to be into that Kolsch. I think it's a pretty snappy Kolsch. So, mm-hmm. um, they do a good job there. Um, a third, third brewery. I don't know. There's, there's a lot of other really good ones out there. Um, my friends down at Bohemian, um, down in Midville. I don't know if you made it that far South, Joel. No, I just, I just stuck to Salt Lake city itself when I was here, but like you said, I'm, I have more reasons to get back. Obviously. Yeah, there you go. Bohemian is just, just, um, I don't know forever. They've just stuck to their guns and making loggers only. And, and although they try and turn out like a German style pale ale lager, whatever pale lager, I don't know what it is. Um, they, they've done just a good job and their check pills is, is outstanding. You know, it's, it's, uh, it, it has built the style here in Utah. So, um, I think, I think they're a really strong asset to, uh, to the brewing community as well. So awesome. there's my three. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Hey, uh, Tim, now it's your turn. What do you think? Yeah. Well, yeah changes frequently for me um i was thinking about this question i went back to the survey i do and just it's interesting i i just asked people to write in what their favorite brewery is Mm. and the last three years we've had 27 to 30 different breweries mentioned which is amazing to me like that just goes to show kind of the breadth of of the brewery because you know if we only have 40 in the state and 30 are highlighted as, as somebody's favorite. I think that says a lot for kind of what they're doing uh, across the board. Um, but for me, you know, I, Roja is, is a great spot. I mean, I don't feel I, obligated, Tim. Come on. I, hey, I, Roja is putting out some good. I look forward to project Porter every year. Um, if yeah, not, not a lot of breweries are doing porters. And so, I, I will enjoy that one. And since I don't, did you get down there? No, you hadn't been down there since they expanded their tap room. So it's a, a really nice place to enjoy a beer. Joel did. Yes, the I did. I was just there in 2021. Oh, yeah. perfect. Yes, I was Yeah, I remember at, talking about that, that your space was just that one smaller area. And then you were able to blow up that wall and you more like that you doubled more than doubled the tap room space. Yeah. yeah. Yep. No, it's fantastic. So I'd, I'd put that on my list. Uh, Bewilder is another one um the owners operate a pair of homebrew shops and they opened a, the brewery at the end of 2019 so they weren't open very long before everything went sideways uh salt lake pretty much shut down right before saint patrick's day in 2020 uh, but i like what the owners cody and ross are doing like um, uh, rob was saying they they're putting out some good classic styles uh their flagship esb is one of my go-to daily drinkers um and then i had a tough time i'm gonna i'm gonna go with four because i just i can't yeah i got a fourth one too that i wanted to mention uh another uh level crossing brewing uh, Mm -hmm. is in south it's kind of south of uh salt lake south salt lake so uh pretty close to roja um i'll stop in here for a pizza and a beer regularly 
Um, and their Red Feather small batch series is something that I go back to over and over again. They just re-released their uh, Red Sea Rift Imperial Coffee Stout. And that was my favorite beer of 2020, favorite local beer. Um, so I'm excited to try that again this year. Um, and then I'm going to go with, I think, I really like what Hopkins Brewing is doing right now mm. up in Sugar House. Um, this is another home brewer who turned pro. And they have a solid lineup of core beers, but they're also doing some interesting experimental stuff with, they call it a small batch Friday that they do every other Friday and they'll get on their pilot system, which I think is only 10 gallons and uh, brew a bunch of different off the wall, funky beers and uh, with exotic ingredients and just wild premises. And uh, so, you know, they're not all hits obviously, but uh, some of them are. And uh, in fact, I think a couple have even turned into full-time beers for them. So I just appreciate that they're kind of taking a, an experimental approach with with some of their beers and, and seeing what uh, what people gravitate to. So I'd say Hopkins Brewing on, yeah, on that Yeah, that's one. great. Rob, you said you wanted to mention one more? No, that, that's a good call, Tim. Hopkins is doing some cool stuff. And um, and. They've been super friendly to the brewing community too. I mean, Chad's one of the best, you know, brewery owners I, I deal with. He's awesome. They, they yeah. buy a ton of beer from us to serve at their bar. So, um, it's a, it's a damn good relationship. Yeah. Um, no, I was going to mention uh, grid city. I just, they, mm. they opened right, right among or at the start of the pandemic, I think their opening day was set for March 19th last year or something. And that stands out because that's like three days after we all had to shut down. Yeah. Um, but they, I just think their premise, I mean, they're really good guys um, down there, but the the premise that they're uh, brewing around is pretty cool that, that uh, they're producing the same beer and serving in sort of different styles, um, whether that's on cask or, on nitro or on CO2 or however. Um, I think that's a, that's a pretty cool concept and, and I think they'll find good success there. And I've heard their, uh, food's very good, although I've only had, had their beer. So, <laughs> well, and so for, for me, I, I obviously have only been to, you know, a handful of, of breweries in Utah, but Roja would, I, I'm, I'm not just saying this for, for Rob's sake too, but I would, I would have Roja, especially your Americano, the American ale with double yeah. brew coffee was so good. Um, level crossing Tim would be one that I would throw in there too. I really liked, uh, what they had their whole i did not get from the, any of the pizza but the oven i mean it looked it looked really really good so uh and then my my other one that we didn't get mentioned yet was uh i really liked the uh, templin family uh, mm. their schwarz beer was especially uh, a beer that i found to be pretty memorable um but i obviously need to get back out there because there's a lot more beer uh, not just in salt lake city but in utah as a whole that i would love to be able to check out uh, and so thank you both so much for coming on uh, it's been great to talk with you both. And so any kind of final thoughts or conclusions about uh, the Salt Lake City craft beer scene, why people should come check it out, as well as throwing it out there, um, how people can reach out to you uh, if they want to, you know, ask you any other questions or recommendations. Uh, Rob, you can lead us off here. Um, no, no final thoughts. I mean, it, just Salt Lake is, and, and Utah as a whole is churning out some great beer. So i highly recommend coming out and spend a day mm -hmm. in salt lake and if you want to head south and um check out the the national parks or state 
state parks that we have to offer. Um, you'll have a handful of breweries to see on the way. Uh, it's well well worth the trip. Um, if you want to get a hold of me, uh, jump on our website. That's rohabrewing.com or any of our social media outlets and uh, hit us up. Every single email out there pretty much funnels to me. So you'll get a response <laughs> from me. And Tim? Uh, yeah, final thoughts. I just um, am really excited about what I'm seeing from the Utah craft beer scene and the, the community is, is awesome. Um, one thing I, I just, I didn't mention during our, our, uh, podcast, but, um, it's, uh, there's these little pockets of, of different breweries that I think are, are walkable. And I, mm-hmm. I've put a few together. I, I have a couple, like if I'm going out, you know, to do three or four tastings, I'll, I'll kind of make a map of where I want to go. And I've got three or four different uh, routes that I, I will do. And, um, I've got those available. If somebody wants to get in touch with me, just kind of a, a little walking tour of, of Salt Lake breweries that, uh, you can do in an afternoon and, uh, maybe do the next one the next day or whatever, if you're in town for a couple of days, but, uh, yeah, if people want to get in touch with me, they can just, uh, find me on utahbeernews.com And I send out a monthly e-newsletter that has a lot of news and notes about what's going on in the craft beer world. So, Feel free to subscribe to that if you're planning on making a trip to Salt Lake in the near future. Awesome. Awesome. Well, and if you are a new listener, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Brewery Travels, Instagram at Brewery underscore Travels. Uh, There's also the website, thebrewerytravels.com, Facebook page for the podcast. Uh, There's also now the merchandise store that you can go and buy your drink local everywhere, uh, shirts, sweatshirts, etc. But once again, Thank you so much to Tim and Rob and take it from all three of us. We definitely should go and check out the Salt Lake City craft beer scene. And remember, whether it's where you're living or where you're visiting, be sure to drink local weather.